0: Welcome to the Filmmaker Mixer Podcast. My name is Andrew, and I'm joined alongside my co-host, Jeff, as always. Today we have on actor and filmmaker, Laura Atkin, who discusses her new film premiering at the Austin Film Festival.
1: Hello, everybody. This is the Filmmaker Mixer podcast, and we are talking all about the Austin Film Festival this week. And one of the cool movies you'll get a chance to see at the Austin Film Festival is called Reuniting. And we have the pleasure of having the director of Reuniting, Laura Adkin, on the show with us today. Uh, Welcome, Laura. How are you doing tonight?
2: I'm good. Thank you. Uh, Thank you so much for having me.
1: No, it's a really good film. I'm anxious to talk about it. Um, But before we get too deep into... uh, uh, grilling you with questions about about your movie. Um, Remind the people who are at the Austin Film Festival this week where they can see your film, uh, maybe what the screening times are and and where it's going to be showing.
2: For sure. So it's going to be our world premiere. So our very first show will be Sunday, October 29th at 1245 p.m. at the Rollins Theater at the Long Center for Performing Arts. Um, and then our second screening will be Thursday, November 2nd, uh 530 PM at the Galaxy Theater.
1: Nice, nice. Well, uh, Austin Film Festival is a great place. So I'm I'm sure you're gonna have a good time. And you're gonna be here, right?
2: Oh yes, absolutely. Awesome. Wouldn't miss it.
1: Awesome. Well, you know, I really enjoyed your film. It's fun, it's heartwarming. Um, I'm sure you've gotten this comparison, but it, it reminds me of, you know, The Big Chill or Return of the Secaucus 7. <laughs> it even had kind of a John Hughes vibe for me. I don't know, maybe I'm crazy, but the way you mixed in the music on some of the cuts, um, I just I just really enjoyed it. So you wrote the film, you directed the film. I'm curious where this idea came from for this story.
2: So it's funny that you mentioned The Big Chill because that movie actually sparked the idea for this. So like, oh God, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago, I was at the Toronto Film Festival and they had, I think it was the 25th anniversary screening of The Big Chill and I went and watched it and all the cast was there, like almost everyone. Oh my God. It was so great. And the director was there and they were talking about it. And I just thought, you know, I really loved all of those movies, those 80s and 90s ensemble dramas Breakfast Club, Steel Magnolia is like every John Hughes movie. Like I loved those movies. Those are the movies I watched growing up and I'm like nobody makes those movies anymore. And so I just sort of had that in in the back of my head for a while and kind of put it aside and when it was time to write my first feature, I knew I wanted to make I knew I wanted to do an ensemble and I just I kind of pulled that idea back and I'm like let's let's make that type of movie where you just have people dealing with stuff right and it's like all the conflict and the drama comes from just people
0: yeah and you gotta uh, you know as jeff said at the top of the show you've got a great ensemble cast i'm curious mm-hmm. how did you go about casting the film were there any prior connections from previous projects Were you just cold calling or cold casting i'm curious because you know you have some recognizable faces in the in the film
2: yeah absolutely so when I was first deciding what I wanted to do for my first feature, um, I talked to a good friend of mine um, and he's a writer director and he's like, Laura, you need to work backwards. He's like, what do you have access to? And one of the things that I thought about, I was like, I have access to a lot of actors in that sort of age range and sort of like late forties age range. So I'm like, okay, great. Well, where can I go from that? So Michelle Harrison, who plays Rachel in the film, Um, she was always in my mind from the very beginning. Um, I've known her for like 20 years. Um, Bronwyn Smith, who plays Carrie in the movie. Um, I've known her for quite a while as well. I'd never worked with either of them before, but both of them were sort of in, in my mind for that. Um, David James Lewis, who plays Danny is my husband in real life. (laughs) So I knew he had him locked in. Um, and you know, so I, I had an idea for, for those three in particular. And then, um, with Roger Cross, I, I knew of him. I didn't really know him, but Michelle knew him. And so she put me in touch with him, uh, Carmen and I have worked together a few times previously, but she actually came on board three days before we started shooting, we had another actress, uh, cast and then she, she booked something, way bigger that was going to pay her way more money than i could pay her and so you know that's totally fair (laughs) that she took the the thing (laughs) um but yeah carmen stepped up and it's so crazy to think that anyone else was ever going to play that role um and then and then jesse um you know, him and Michelle worked together on a show. Just FYI, I am a SAG member, just so that we all are clear with that. So I'm not gonna talk about any shows that are struck. Um, So they worked on a show together uh, that had superheroes in it. And um, Michelle just said, well, what about Jesse? And I was like, "Uh, Jesse L. Martin from the original Broadway cast of Rent? Um, Yes, please. I never thought he would do it in a million years. And then he said yes. So that's kind of how that happened. It all happened very weirdly organically.
1: That is crazy. And you know, circling back to your ensemble cast of characters, there's a really interesting balance between, you know, all the different characters. I mean, each one, well, for lack of a better word, each one kind of has their archetype. You know, you've got the responsible mother figure, you've got the court jester, and that was now that's your husband, right? David James Lewis, you said. Mm-hmm. I love that character. He was so, so entertaining. Um, So I've got a question. This is a writing question. Um, To balance all of those characters, did you go back and do specific passes on the script, looking at like one character to make sure you, you know, got their arc from, you know, where you wanted it to go? Did you do passes on the script that were character specific?
2: Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. I think sometimes... When you have a big cast of characters, one or two of the characters can feel like the same person. Uh, So I really wanted to make sure that, yeah, right? If I'm going to have six distinct characters, they have to be distinct. They have to each have their own individual arc. They have to have their own storyline. Everything has to kind of be very specific to them. Otherwise- i would cut them so at one point i think i thought of having more than six and i was like no no it's too many six felt like the perfect number
0: you know staying on the topic collaboration i'm curious because it's such a good ensemble cast was there a lot of improv during the scenes you know letting them make the characters their own or rehearsals beforehand i'm curious how much maybe off page you went or if it was super just what the script had uh on the day
2: um if we could have had rehearsal that would have been my absolute dream uh indie film so there, there and- was no
1: uh you didn't have any rehearsal at all
2: no no rehearsal i wanted to but you know we shot in in the middle of the pandemic like before vaccines before like it was it was crazy and like travel advisory that we filmed on an island and Oh my gosh. It was just, it was so crazy. And so we really didn't have time. And we based the whole shooting schedule around Jesse and Michelle, actually, and Carmen were all on this superhero show. And it was supposed to end on a certain day. And so we based our entire shooting schedule on like them ending on a specific day. And then uh someone on their show got COVID and their whole shoot got pushed a week. So we had, it was just so crazy to try and figure out schedules and move things around. I did write people out of scenes. We had to, Oh, it was just, it's completely insane. So no, we didn't have any time for for rehearsals. Um, and as far as improv goes, not really. I mean, they're all really good actors and, you know, it it was never improving lines. It was like, hey Laura, I'm not sure if this line makes sense. Can we talk about it? And then we would talk about it. And then if it needed to be rewritten, I would rewrite the lines. But there wasn't a lot of like people just like doing their own thing or anything like that.
1: Well, I'm also curious. I want to I want to go back to a writing question. I'm kind of bouncing around, but um, mm-hmm. you know, we talked about doing a pass on the script based on the you know the cat or based on the character. Um, there were a lot of great I'm going to call them throwaway lines. I don't mean throwaway, throwaway lines as in they're not important, but there's a lot of comedy in this that are just kind of in and out and the lines come fast. You know, I could have killed and not have my dad beat me with a belt. That kind of, that oh, yeah, kind yeah, of line. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Those kind of lines are, are sprinkled throughout and it's really smart writing. Um, so I'm curious, did you do a pass on that as well, trying to figure out how to keep your characters entertaining and keep that banter going? I
2: don't. That's such a good question. I don't think so. I think just like organically, it just made sense. I, I always knew I wanted it to be an irreverent drama. I knew that I wanted to have a lot of comedy in it just because I think when you have such heavy subject matter, which, you know, your audience will see when they come watch the movie, what that is. Um, But I think you need to have levity and you need to have jokes. And I think that's what I was thinking of when I was writing those. It's funny that right. you mentioned that particular line that, that David had. People fought me on that a lot. And really like, no, it's funny. Yeah. Well, yeah. Why do you think? I'm not sure. I think it was just like, whoa, that's like really harsh. I'm like, yes, but the character would say that. Like also that time frame of how old they are, their parents fully would have beat them with belts. Like that was <laughs> that's what would have happened. Right. <laughs> Like, uh, You know, looking at it now, any parent is like, oh, my God, I would never beat my child with a belt. But like, I don't know. That's sort of a thing that happened in the 70s, 60s. I don't know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And as Jeff said, you're also an actor who has been part has been a part of some well-known projects. I'm curious if you took anything you've experienced or learned from those bigger projects and sets and then translated to your film that indie filmmakers may not think of.
2: Yeah, I mean. Honestly, the the greatest learning experience I had was as a stand-in. Um, I was oh, a stand-in in years and years and years. That's how I made the majority of my money at the beginning of my career. So for people who don't know what a stand-in is, is the actors will come in and they'll block out the scene and you know, camera will see where it's going to go. And then the actors will leave and then stand-ins or second team will come in and they'll stand on the marks and... Um, you know, the, the camera department and lighting department will use the stand-ins to light the scene for, uh, for the actors. And so I worked on some big, big, you know, hundreds of million dollar films, um, that take place in space. And, <laughs> I, um, that are produced by J.J. Abrams. Um, and I learned, so much on those shows I was actually probably quite annoying to be honest um because I got a grant because I'm from Canada and they just like give you money sometimes to make stuff uh, to make my first short film while I was standing in on this big show. So I asked all the questions. I was like, why are you using that camera? Why are you using that lens? What are you doing over there? How are you lighting this? And I just asked so many questions. And so I think just from being on set so much uh, has, I think it made it just less intimidating to be a director maybe just because like i know how set works and i know what everyone's job is and i learned most of that not from acting but from being a stand-in i really got to learn like what everyone's job actually is and that i find is really helpful to understand when people are asking you for things knowing like whose job it is to do what
1: tell people again where they can see your film if they're in town in austin at the austin film festival Remind them again where they can see your movie.
2: Okay, great. So you can come see our film and almost all of our cast will be there as well, which will be really fun and exciting. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I think like like 90% of our cast is coming. So it's going to be pretty awesome. Um, uh, So you can come see it on uh, Sunday, October 29th at 12.45 PM at the Rollins Theater. So that's at the Long Center. And our second screening... Uh, which will just be me at the screening. Um, so if you want to meet me, <laughs> you, you to come to the first one. Uh, will be on Thursday, November second at five thirty p.m. and that will be at the Galaxy Theater.
1: And where can people find you if they want to know more about your work? Are you uh, like an Instagram person? Or I Instagram. Mentioned-
2: I don't have the TikTok. Uh, <laughs> so at Laura Adkin um, or at Reuniting Film.
1: Awesome. Well, have you been to Austin before?
2: Uh, I have. This is actually my third film to screen at the Austin Film Festival. Oh, nice.
1: Okay. Well, you know what you're doing. Then you know where to go to find all the great food and the and the good coffee. So good for you.
2: I'm so excited. The last time I was there actually was in 2018 when there was like that water thing that happened. There was like a water. Oh the,
1: the, Yeah, the uh, well, there have been a couple of water things. <laughs> yeah,
2: so, where like the water was contaminated, and so oh, like, right, right, right. all right. the coffee shops shut down except like one coffee shop.
1: Yeah, they were bringing in like bottled water to make coffee. Yeah, it was oh, crazy. Yeah. yeah, it
2: was that was crazy. So hopefully that doesn't happen again.
1: <laughs> well, Andrew and I like, will I be my here. Coffee. You need what was that? You need your coffee.
2: I need my coffee. Yes, yeah, absolutely. for sure.
1: For sure. Well, Andrew and I will be uh, at the festival. Hopefully we will get a chance to meet in person and shake your hand. And I would love that. And congratulations again. I really, I really did enjoy the film. It's just so much fun and it's, it's smartly written. It's well acted and I think you're going to have great luck with it. So uh, break a leg uh, at the festival and uh, we'll talk to you soon.
2: Awesome. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you for listening to the Filmmaker Mixer Podcast, a podcast created and hosted by filmmakers Jeff Stolen and Andrew Lamping and produced by Melody Lopez.
1: Our theme song was composed by Stephen D. Bennett.
0: Make sure to follow or subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to us on and stay tuned for future episodes.